In a rapidly changing and volatile world, knowing who you are and where you may belong is perhaps more important than ever to gaining a sense of well-being, safety and agency. And while this is equally true for adults, it is perhaps even more so for children and adolescents. I am your host, Shai Nidas, coming to you from Florence, Italy, where I will be attending the Leading Minds Conference. This conference, which is organized by UNICEF in Argenti, aims to bring together global thinkers and leaders to explore next generation issues for children and young people. This year's Leading Minds Conference focuses on the vital importance of child identity, from building a pathway towards positive child identity to fighting against discrimination in their communities. With me today are Farida Luanda. Hello, Farida. Can you tell us a bit about you and why you're joining the conference? Thank you, Shines. My name is Farida Luanda. I'm 24 years old. I'm a refugee from Democratic Republic of Congo. I lived in Chakatu refugee settlement in Uganda for five years, currently living in Stockholm, Sweden. I started Division Refugee Youth-led organization at Chakatu Refugee Settlement, Uganda, that transforms young people's lives through music, dance, drama, education, and livelihood activities, especially girls and young women. I'm working to create a means of livelihood for other families, especially those within the same background like me, and I included ways to have their voices to be heard. I am the Gender and Diversity Coordinator within the Global Refugee Youth Network, which is GREEN. GREEN is a refugee youth-led organization that works globally and supports the local groups that are reaching out and empowering vulnerable and marginalized girls and boys to live with equity, dignity, and opportunities to realize their full potential. And I believe that coming to the, uh, coming to the conference, Leading Minds Conference, together bringing the vision of young people today and experiences of elder generations, we learn from each other and also can create solutions and answers to the challenges, different communities, and also build direct dialogue with other key holders in the international community and discuss key issues, bringing new ideas, perspectives and creating ways of approaching it. Thank you. Thank you, Farida. And with us today, we have also Natasha Maimba. Hello, Natasha. Can you tell us a bit about you and why you're joining us today? Yeah, hi, Shai. Um, my name is Natasha and I am a refugee who's living in Ireland. So I originally come from Zimbabwe. Um, and kind of my work started with lobbying politicians within Ireland to reform the direct provision system, uh, which is the system that houses uh, asylum seekers and migrants in Ireland. Um, and so, you know, it started out something simple, just focusing on better living conditions, um, you know, better opportunities for young people to be able to, to go to third level education in Ireland. Um, and as a natural progression from my work, um, uh, you know, as a refugee, uh, I started to think more about my personal identity and how I, you know, really had to discover who I am culturally as someone who was, you know, I was born in the UK. I grew up in Zimbabwe. I, I also grew up in Ireland. You know, who am I? What culture do I identify with the most? Uh, and kind of struggling throughout my 
my younger years as well as my, my teen years I, with identity and trying to figure out who I am, I thought it was best to, you know, try and come up with some sort of program that could help young people living in, uh, in Ireland specifically with um, issues of their identity. Uh, and this program was called Uprooted. It was a series focusing on, as I said, identity uh, specifically for migrants. Um, and from that, you know, I developed a huge interest in identity for young people. And that's why I'm here at this conference. So, yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Natasha. And we also have with us Victor Lopez Carmen Waukiya Mani. Hi, Victor. Can you tell us a bit about you and why you're joining the conference? Thank you. Um, yeah, my name is Victor, but my Dakota name is Waukiya Mani. How Matakiwapi, Victor Imachiapi, Hunkpati Dakota Imataha. Thank you for inviting me to this conference. A little bit about me. I am a member of the Crow Creek Sioux Tribe uh, in South Dakota, United States, and I'm also from the Yaqui Nation in uh, Arizona, and we have uh, eight villages in Mexico as well. And so growing up, uh, being a part of my indigenous nations was a, a huge aspect of my identity, uh, being part of the community, growing up with ceremonies, with culture, but also being Native American, uh, racially identified as Native American and growing up as a Native American in the United States and how that played into, you know, what it's like to be a young indigenous person in the United States uh, when we got outside of our communities and into schools. Currently, I'm a Harvard medical student. Uh, I focus a lot on indigenous youth mental health and uh, the, uh, the different factors that play into what makes a young indigenous person healthy what makes a young indigenous person well. And I plan to go into pediatrics uh, after medical school. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about the how identity uh, plays into mental health at this conference. And that's what brought me here. Thank you. Thank you, Victor. In a rapidly changing and volatile world, knowing who you are and where you may belong is perhaps more important than ever to gaining a sense of well-being safety, and agency. And while this is equally true for adults, it is perhaps even more so for children and adolescents. As children grow from their earliest years, through middle school into early and then late adolescence and finally into adulthood, they continuously acquire additional forms of identity, including evolving physical characteristics, cognitive progression, and self-chosen identities, among others. It is well known that our experience of childhood and adolescence are heavily influenced by the identities that we are given, acquire, denied, or forced on us. But despite the proven importance of identity to the well-being and mental health of children and young people, we know surprisingly little about how identity develops and is shaped by the world of the child, the world around the child, and the world at large. Natasha, your personal story and work as a youth activist for refugee and children rights in Ireland has resonated with many and brought you to the United Nations General Assembly as a representative for displaced children in Europe. What does positive child identity mean to you? Well, I think, you know, 
the idea of positive child identity is one that is extremely nuanced and, and layered. Um, and there's so many different factors that influence a child's, you know, a, a child's identity. Um, I know for me, um, you know, my uh, my political identity, you know, was uh, was huge, I guess. Or my sorry, my legal identity, apologies, um, was a huge factor in who I was. I, I I'm a refugee. Uh, I had to leave my country not because I wanted to, uh, but because there were factors that required me to leave. Um, but also my cultural identity, you know, being Zimbabwean um, and loving the fact that I am a black woman as well. Um, you know, that all plays into my identity. Um, and I think, you know, um, for me, child identity is also kind of formed from, you know, your peers, your family, um, your education as well plays a huge part in who you are as a child. Uh, and so those are kind of the big things that I've always advocated for uh, a child's education, their right to a safe home, um, you know, their right to be able to participate with their community and their culture uh, in a positive way. And so I think all of those play a part in formulating a child's identity. But also I think one conversation that's often neglected, I guess, in my opinion, is that a child gets to also choose who they are themselves. Um, you know, living in Ireland, I know plenty of my friends who don't look Irish, you know, have Nigerian heritage, but self-identified as Irish, even if they weren't born in the country because that was the only culture that they knew. Um, and I think that a child should be able to choose um, what identity resonates with them the most. Um, and, you know, for me, that wasn't Irish, that was Zimbabwean, and I love my culture and I love uh, the country that my parents come from. Uh, but for my friend, it was Irish because she loves the Irish culture. Um, and so, you know, having conversations with other young people has really shaped my view of child identity in that it's not just about the social constructs that uh, have been built around us. You know, if you're born in this country, you if you're born in Italy, you're Italian, or if you're born in Zimbabwe, you're Zimbabwean. It's more uh it's it's more nuanced and complex than that and i feel like children need to have the space to be able to build that identity for themselves so yeah that's a huge part of it so the impact of discrimination on children and young people can be devastating there are clear and unequivocal links between discrimination and mental health Identity-based stereotypes have been shown to affect children's educational performance. And exposure to discrimination and gender-based violence has been shown to have a strong negative impact on children's health and behaviors. Farida, you're the coordinator for gender and diversity with the Global Refugee Youth Network, facilitating and supporting young refugees to develop their capacity to help each other, lead initiatives to respond to their community's needs and advocate for the changes they feel are important. From your experiences, both personally and in your work, what do you think helps build positive child identity and inclusion for young refugees? Yeah, from my perspective, building positive child identity, first is to know we are young people and also to understand and respect the different aspects of the identity, their character, age, gender, and other things about them. And this is uh, important to build trust and uh, also to make sure children have trusting relationships 
ships so they can speak out and build a relationship of trust with uh, a child is really important and also creating opportunities for young people to express themselves and to share their story in a safe space and feel validated. Uh, creating uh, safe spaces for young people to meet each other and find a role models. And it is essential to involve them, especially give them opportunities to share their experiences. When young people connect with other young people, they can bridge the gaps and help each other to access services regarding their own well-being, making sure no one is left behind. Uh, listen to young people without interrupting mm -hmm. and also validate their stories and their emotions. Co-design everything together to support them to use their talents and have a say in the services they need and any decisions uh, that impact their lives. Young people and children want a real say in decisions shaping in their lives. I think uh, that is a real important. It is clear that each of us brings to the table different skills, experience, and diversities, and could be sharing of past trauma and personal journey, truly uh, priceless. And this helps me a lot to build my own identity and make sure to count these children and young people and not their gender, age, and any other vulnerabilities or protection challenges that they have, like being in a bad living situation, being a child mother, or having a disability. Make sure that children and young people get documentation. Having personal documentation is very important to be able to belong and to access basic services. If we can make young people on the move in all their diversity more visible, we can make sure that the right services are given to the right people by the right people at the right time. Within the Global Refugee Youth Network, we are supporting the underserved refugee young people and children who are making differences in their communities, especially girl-led organizations, and those living with disabilities and the LGBTQI+. Greeny, we are a global network, but we are all refugees. And Green is partnering with refugee youth-led organizations to amplify and to build the resilience of young people and their communities. We opened a call for proposal this year and received more than eight uh, proposals from small projects, refugee youth-led organization groups, and we selected 22 of them to receive grants starting from $1,000 to $5,000. We support them and check in calls to help them implementing their projects. Green has been established specifically to bridge these gaps between local youth-led groups that are doing important community work and the resources that they need to effectively work. I think all of these are part of refugee identities from my own experience. Thank you, Farida. So we know that supportive and nurturing family and kinship relationships are vital to building positive child identity, as is feeling safe and belonging within their community and society. Having agency in adolescence is also a fundamental building block of positive identity. And this is why culture and group affiliation are powerful drivers in promoting positive identity but can equally have a negative feedback effect if children face discrimination and exclusion on the basis of these affiliations. 
Victor, you're, you are a Dakota and Yaki writer, indigenous youth mental health advocate, and you're currently studying at Harvard Medical School. Can you tell us about your work and why it's important to recognize and protect indigenous languages and culture to help build positive child identity? Yeah, so my work uh, began when I was young. Uh, I grew up in a family that uh, of indigenous activists, uh, people who were in the movement for a long time and uh, just surrounded by elders who were, you know, very decolonized, I would say, uh, very invested in our culture and who still thought in a decolonized mentality and were constantly fighting and, and struggling for indigenous rights. So as a young child, I would accompany my family to protest, to uh, community organizing events where indigenous peoples, um, primarily Na Native American, Alaska Native uh, organizers would gather and, organ and you know, figure out what are we going to do? How are we going to tackle this? And I grew up seeing a, a lot of resistance and, uh, and, you know, arrests of family members, friends, uh, assassination attempts of uh, activists who were in our circle and, you know, very connected to the activism on the ground. But uh, I was interested in science from a young age, and uh, that was how I wanted to contribute. So that naturally led me into the health sciences and uh, my fascination with, you know, how does the human body work and I think stems in, in a large part from the health disparities that I saw growing up in my indigenous communities and realizing that they were connected to uh, colonization. And a lot of my work uh, is, is about reminding and pressuring and, uh, prom and promoting indigenous health within the field of Western medicine mm -hmm. and constantly struggling uh, to show the field of Western medicine that indigenous health disparities are directly linked to the ongoing and lingering impacts of colonization on our communities. Uh, from the very beginning, when Columbus, you know, uh, left Italy and, and landed on the shores of, uh, of modern-day Puerto Rico, there was a system implemented to try to destroy our culture, try to destroy our language, to uh, put our people, uh, to make our people non-Indigenous non and to assimilate us. And I have uh, a lot of family members who were put in boarding schools where they were punished for speaking their language. And I think a lot of studies now have shown that when Indigenous youth uh, know their language and know their culture, they have better men mental health outcomes. And that's something that um, that's one of the ways that I connect my work in the field of health to what I see on the ground and what my communities are fighting for in terms of their indigenous rights. So thank you to the three of you. It, it really is uh, a privilege to, to count with your uh, participation at the conference. And I'm really looking forward to some good discussions there. Clearly, the topic of identity is is uh, is very broad, and there's a lot of elements that the three of you have touched uh, upon. Um, one more question that I have is: What are some of the outcomes you're hoping to see achieved from this conference? 
Yeah, I can go first. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, I think uh, the outcomes would be the co-designed children methods to help support integration strategies and recommendation to help refugee children to feel that they are safe, protected, and that they belong in the communities where they're living and having more resources committed to supporting young people who are leading community solutions. Uh, young people are in the, their communities, they understand the challenges and it's important to work towards localizing uh, solutions through effective partnership where they can be funded directly to implement and also creating different networks of children and young people at the local level uh, in different countries to help advance exchange of knowledge and experience to help create meaningful mechanism to young people at the local community level to participate in decisions that are important to them and building mechanism that ensure that young people can realize their right of exploration, participation, and the right to have their best interest taken as a primary consideration in all matters that involve them. Thank you. Um, I think personally, one of the things that I want to see come from this conference, and I think is going to be so powerful, is the fact that there's so many young people who are sharing their you know, experiences of uh, building their own identity. And I think even just having this network of young people and hearing other stories and, and seeing other perspectives when it comes to the conversation is uh, is powerful enough, you know, and, and it means that when we all leave and go back to our own countries, we have a different conversation to bring to the table uh, and we have a way to further child identity within our, our own countries and within our own communities. Um, but also, you know, um, I think we can give each other ideas for how to better improve, um, you know, the conversation about child identity um, with our legislators in our countries, you know, and, and encouraging them to... Uh, to, to focus on maybe specific um, areas that we wouldn't have thought of before the conference. Mm -hmm. You know, already I'm learning about the, uh, I'm learning a very interesting, um, I guess, idea of how education, um, specifically, you know, how, you know, your teachers and how motivated they are to teach you, like what that means for a child's identity um, and what that means for their education as well. So I think that's the, the power that can come out of this, this conference. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, for me, I think some tangible outcomes would be getting, uh, you know, our recommendations through the activities that we're going partici to be participating in in the final outcome document, uh, you know, and getting that uh, outcome document to the people who are making decisions at UNICEF. Uh, and for that document, not just to be something that it just goes into a filing cabinet and then, you know, checks a box, but for it to actually inform policy at UNICEF and inform uh, how programs are, are going to be funded and implemented. Uh, more specifically, you know, why I came here, uh, I would like to see UNICEF uh, find a way to devote more funding to uh, indigenous language revitalization programs for indigenous youth around the world. Uh, one indigenous language dies every two weeks and they're the oldest languages on planet Earth. They represent the majority of languages on planet Earth. And uh, I think it's vital that, that UNICEF, you know, knowing that indigenous youth um, are the ones who are gonna be carrying on those languages, invest in, in those programs um, financially and help with them um, programmatically as well. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Farida. And thank you to our listeners here today. Thank you all for your time.
To find out more information on this year's Leading Mind Conference, please go to the events and convening section of our website, which is unicef-irc.org. This podcast was produced by Christina Pizzolato, Alice Vernat davies and myself, Shineiders. And we're sending a special thanks to David Anthony, Claire Akehurst, Uni Choi, and all of the youth advocates and youth participants who are joining us for this conference. Thank you all. Yay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you.